Hey there. The holidays are here, so it's good to know Fred Meyer can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Fred Meyer has got you covered. So order for free pickup at fredmeyer.com or the app and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to the Everyday Mindfulness Show, the off-the-cuff exploration of everyday aha moments and life experiences. Join a cast of over 70 uniquely brilliant individuals. Each week, Mike Domish and an eclectic mix of cast members and special guests will engage in mindful and lively conversations about everything from meditation to spirituality to personal passions to successes and failures to relationships to the stuff that makes up the moments of our daily lives. Let's get started with your host, author, speaker, provocateur, and a bit of a goofball, Mike Domish. Hello, I'm your host, Mike Domish, and thrilled to be here with our cast from the Everyday Mindfulness Show. This week's cast includes Barry Moniak, Sean Douglas, Paul Jenkins, Rick Clemens, and Lisa Baker King. You can learn all about our cast, that brilliant cast, at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. That's everydaymindfulnessshow.com. And we're going to get right to it because this week, no quote. Sometimes, you know, when you listen to the show, we start with a quote. Not this week. We're going to dive right into the conversation, which means, yeah, there's going to be a lot of puns and cliches probably in today's conversation. We're giving you a warning heads up because we're talking about mindfulness and nudity. How do they go hand in hand? Or maybe a better wording would be, how do they integrate? Barry, we'll start with you. Well, this is one of the more interesting slash delicate topics. We all agree that when we're born, we come into this world totally naked, but then it becomes very much a conversation of context. Are we talking about just a person all alone at home by themselves? That's one conversation. Around other adults, that's another conversation. Adults being naked around children, a whole other conversation. So to address this intelligently, I think we would need to point at certain contexts and then we could have a dialogue about that context. Let's let's do that. Let's go your home alone nudity. I think it's interesting that some people, it's their favorite way to be. And for other people, they're actually uh, embarrassed or humiliated to be, even be alone with themselves naked. That's just too uncomfortable for them to handle. I, I agree. And I, I know people who I've, you know, when I, because of the topic I speak about, when you talk about sexual decision-making around the world, people bring up nudity and they bring up the body. And, and I will hear people in audiences say, oh my gosh, I didn't want to see myself naked. You know, you yeah. hear that common and it's not uncommon or this idea that they are, when they're with their sexual partner, they don't want them to really see them, right? Lights out is what they'll say yes. because they don't yeah. want them to really see me. I used to have a relative, an older generation who used to say, oh, you always lights out. They should never see you. That's just not okay. And there was almost a, an influence of religion that I think misinterpreted did harm. This idea that for somebody to see you naked was inappropriate. I, so I think we got yeah. a few things going on here. I think we have body shaming of ourselves that society put mm-hmm. that builds up. And I think potentially there can be faith-based influence here that can view how people 
look at the body and nudity. So let's, let's go after either one of those. Anybody have a feeling on one, the social norming criticism of the body, and then two, uh, the faith-based side and what that can do? I think this is Lisa. I think all those things can happen simultaneously. I know for me, I had um, for years what I called hiding in plain sight. You know, I had roles and jobs that, you know, had me in front of people and, and being really out there in the world. But I literally went for years not looking in the mirror, clothed or unclothed. And I think it was a number of different factors. It was how I was brought up. I was brought up in a very conservative household, so I think that played a part of it. But I think the largest part of it was I was just not comfortable with who I was. And as I reflect on that, because it's a very different story for me today, as I reflect on that, I think it was because I put an emotional value on my appearance. And that can be a positive thing, and that can be a hurtful thing. And in my case at the time, it was a hurtful thing. Um, I was severely overweight. And in my head, that was a negative. And I didn't, I thought I would just ignore it. And I just, like I said, put a, a negative emotion behind it instead of just saying, this is how it is right now and trying to detach from it, be curious about it, figure it out. Instead, I had a, a negative emotion attached to it. Well, Lisa, you are in, in a great example of this discussion because for anybody not listening who doesn't know Lisa's story, you heard Lisa just say you know, your, your words, Lisa, of I was severely overweight. Well, today, Lisa's on billboards in the community that she's in because of the physical transformation she's made at the workout facility she works out and the transformation has been massive. So she's a before and after story that they use literally on billboards. I think for people listening right now, I could, I could see some people thinking, okay, Lisa, that makes sense because of what you transformed to where you are today physically. So that begs the question. Now what you've gone through, Lisa, if you were the person that you were before the weight loss, before the physical transformation, but mentally with the, what you know today, would you now look in the mirror? Would you now feel good about who you were regardless of your size, regardless of your weight and your body? I think I would feel much better about it. There's no denying that being that overweight is uncomfortable. Um, for a lot of different reasons, it's just physically uncomfortable. But I would definitely have felt a lot better about myself I think I would have gotten to a point of making different decisions in my life faster because I would have taken that mindful approach. And I do attribute, by the way, I do attribute the transformation mentally and physically to some very different things that I did from a mindfulness perspective. I think that was the one thing that, that made this journey different than all the other times I tried to get fit. So yeah, I think that if, if I was mentally where I am right now, as far as not judging myself, or I should say, not attaching that emotional value and negative value, I would have looked at it very differently. I still wouldn't have been comfortable, to be honest with you, because it's just a very uncomfortable place to be. Well, and I think what you're sharing is, I think the mistake people can make when we have these discussions is, well, a larger person or a bigger person or a heavier person struggles with fill in the blank, not realizing that you can grow up very skinny and thin and look in the mirror and not like what you're seeing. 
And so yeah. this covers all bases. So for you, Lisa, what would you tell that you just five years ago? What would you tell you that would allow you to look in that mirror and have a different sense of mindfulness? I would say that if you decide, if you decide that you want to make some transformations in your life, Lisa, that as you go through that, give yourself permission to not be so hard on yourself. Own the fact that you are going to make some decisions with a healthy lifestyle one day, but the next day you may not. The next day you may eat that cheeseburgers, french fries, and tartar sauce, which is still uh, my favorite meal. Um, <laughs> you know, but own the fact that you are going to make those decisions and don't put a value judgment on them. That's just life. Because before, if I would put those value judgments on it, I would say, you know what, you screwed up, you're done. This whole week, you know, you're just going to eat unhealthy because it doesn't really matter. You screwed up one time. But what would you say to yourself looking at your body about your body? In other words, I give the example of I get done working out, right? Uh, you're out of the shower, you're, whatever. You're, you don't have to be out of the shower. You just walk around nude. You look in the mirror and people look at me and go, Mike, you're very thin framed. But I can look in the mirror and see the areas where I don't see that, where I don't see strength, where I don't see definition and vi vibrancy. And I can notice that, which is ridiculous at all the other. I can notice other things too that are positive. So how do we help our, would you do that kind of thing? Would you say, hey, notice this about you. What, what would be the mind talk about the nudity? Well, first of all, it would be, I would congratulate myself on having the courage to look. Let's just start there. I love that. I'm a psychologist and I'm having a lot of fun just thinking through the psychological aspect of this. Part of my job is to illuminate the obvious, which is kind of cool because I get paid to tell people things they already know. But there's <laughs> obvious things that are unnoticed. <laughs> a lot of the processes in our mind are very obvious once they come to your attention, but unnoticed right up until that point. It's kind of like when you notice the feeling of your shoes, for example, and unless you're already, you know, naked, um, but you probably are noticing your shoes right now because I called them to your attention. And that's what I'm talking about. So these processes have us constantly judging ourselves. And it's not that we can stop. And Lisa, as I was listening to your to your story, you started to judge yourself differently, maybe more kindly, with more compassion, but you're still judging yourself. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think it's important for us to notice that we can't avoid this particular process. When we look at ourselves, when we look at other people, we are going to judge. And let's be cognizant of that. And then and this is what mindfulness means to me, that we engage in a process called metacognition. Now, cognition is thinking. Metacognition is a higher level. It's thinking about our own thinking. And that puts us in a position where we can see, oh, I am judging myself. Am I judging myself in a way that is kind and compassionate? Or am I being harsh and cruel, which I wouldn't do towards someone else intentionally, but I pick on myself all the time. Yeah, I want to interrupt because I would love to hear some precise examples of how we could do that. I gave the example of that, let's say somebody's looking at their stomach 
right? And they notice it's a little bit, they have a little bit more there than they wish they had. What's the Mm -hmm. compassionate way for them to talk to themselves in that moment? They also will notice, if they're honest with themselves, that they have a little less there than they fear that they would have. It's called the spotlight effect. I'm sorry, this is Sean. It's called the spotlight effect. Yeah. So what happens is when you, in mindfulness training, we use a spotlight effect in order to, if you want positive change, focus on the positives rather than the negatives, because what you focus on expands. Where energy, where you focus on, energy goes. So if you're saying, well, my stomach is this, or my legs are this, or I don't look a certain way, and that's all that you see, then that's all you're going to focus on. So if you focus on your weight and you say that you're heavy, then you're always going to be heavy in your mind, no matter if you weigh a buck oh five or if you weigh 205, it doesn't matter. It's called the spotlight effect. They prove this in the axe effect. Have you guys ever heard of the axe effect? I have not. So the axe effect research that they did a couple of years ago is they took axe spray and they took five guys and put them in a room and they took five other guys and they put them in a room. One group A sprayed themselves with axe. Group B sprayed themselves with water. And they were told, you're spraying yourself with axe, you're spraying yourself with water. Then they made a video. Hi, I'm Barry and Paul and Lisa and Mike. And, you know, and, and so I'm so-and-so. And ladies walked in and watched a video and they could tell who was sprayed with axe by the way that they acted. Just by how you act, because I got sprayed with axe, so I smell good. And they highlighted the fact that what you focus on expands. So you have to focus on the the target. Like, I want to lose weight in my whatever. You know, I'm too heavy in my stomach. I've got, you know, whatever. I want to get bulk in the chest, whatever. Then you focus solely on that and leave the rest alone. And it's just one mindfulness technique that you can do. I'm sorry for interrupting. Mm. No, that's what we're all about is jumping in and having a fun conversation. So <laughs> yeah. that, that's fantastic. And I, I mean, that's the interesting part is that for me on my own journey of when I'm working out, you gave a great example there, Sean, of if, look, if I'm working and if I'm bench pressing and I'm hitting highs, my chest is getting bigger. I can see that. I love seeing that. Right. So then it's a matter of, okay, look at that, Mike. Don't look at the, the minor thing. And that's the thing I think you just brought up. That's brilliant is what are we spotlighting and, and will we really allow ourselves to focus on it enough to not care about the others? I mean, for a lot of people listening right now, they don't realize is the thing we're looking at that we don't like is such a minor thing, such a minor thing if we look at the big picture, right? So let's say you're super healthy and you have a little gut and you're super healthy. You're strong. You do everything that you eat, right? You do, you have a little gut, how much that gut will drive people nuts, even though they have this wonderful health about them, this wonderful vibrancy about themselves, how much that can drive people nuts. Some of those things are so obvious that we we totally miss them. For example, Mm -hmm. you're standing in front of the mirror. Wait, pause. What? You're standing? Taking, Taking that into consideration for a moment, how many people in this world can't even do that? And you're standing in front of the mirror. Wow. So you start with these basic elements of what you have, not what you don't have, what's going well for you, not what's going poorly for you. You start from that. It changes the energy and creates a whole different outcome. I, gratitude. I, that is, I love the gratitude approach to nudity. I think that's brilliant in what that could do for people if we all apply that, right? Look at, look at what am I grateful for right now as I look in this mirror? I think that's, and I think there's one part here that is the one we don't talk about in society, but if you're, if you're amongst friends where people can be vulnerable, they'll talk about it, but nobody wants to talk about it. And that is how much genitalia or 
Body parts that are considered sexual, even if they're not meant just to be sexual, are considered sexual, how much they really impact this. Can we focus on that a little bit, Mike? Because the whole internal <clears throat> thing yeah. is a world of information. Yes. But I think judgment thing and, and what we're saying is, is a, a more minor thing becomes a very major thing when we start projecting that judgment on others. Thank I you. think yes. of the woman mm-hmm. who is in some department store, I forget which one, and she needed to nurse her baby. So she went into the women's restroom to nurse her baby and somehow got thrown out for indecent exposure. And I'm like, really? What, we've mm. gone too far, people. We do that in the military, yeah. too. They do it in the military. People will, will breastfeed in their inner uniforms and then be condemned for it and everything. And you're just like, dude, grow up. You know what I mean? Like, just shut up and grow up. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was talked about faith-based and, and social and everything. I will tell you, in my in my opinion, and some of the research that I've done, you know, with the mindfulness, is that nudity and the way that we think about it is is completely driven by our upbringing and by society. It has very little to do with our faith. Because if we think about it for a second, you know, some faiths believe that, hey, I'm naked and this is how God made me and and I'm good to go, you know. And then some people like in the Buddhist, you know, they're like, oh, everything is life and everything is earth and everything is, you know what I'm saying? So they don't really care about that. But how you think about yourself is is completely driven by society and how society judges, like like Lisa was saying, how, how people are, are judged in society. Oh, you're too heavy. You can never be a model. Oh, you're, you can never be in the movies oh, because there's always a cliche and there's always a set person like this is the this is the wrestler WWE or UFC or whoever, this is the wrestler that needs to be, and, and we don't like any other body types. It has very little to do with faith and, and Christianity and all that stuff. Sean, I, I, have driven. An, I have an issue with that because I would agree with you on most part, but uh-huh. a lot of the rules and regulations and pending laws, those are being driven heavily by theosophy. Well, let's put it this way. I think I, I, I'm hearing both of you. I wonder if you're saying the same thing in different ways. And that is that People abuse faith, and that's how you're raised. So whether you're of that faith or not, it's how you were raised, is what what Sean is saying. It's how you were raised. But the religion plays a role in that, if that's how they use religion. Let me put it that way. And so Mm. in that way, you'd both be saying the same thing. Religion, not Christianity. Right, right. I never, I, I didn't say Christianity. I said religion, right? Oh, right, okay, right. just make it sure. <laughs> no, from the beginning, I said religion, yes, because religions can be misused. Yeah, well, because when most religious find- organizations are writing very large checks to yes. their goal, it yes. is hard for people to not associate that back to the religion, even yes. though there's no scripture backing it up. That's right. Most people will find God when they leave religion. I'm just saying. Most people will find God when they leave, when they leave their religion. Now, to be fair, that's a different show. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we're going to light some I'm people up out there, right? So yeah. that's a different there? show. Let's. You know, know what we'll do? There. We'll go back here, though. We'll go back to uh, where we were starting to go, and somebody said, "Mike, can we please go there deeper?" So the, yeah, we want to go. Let's talk about that. That I the nudity. idea nudity. Well, not just nudity. Specifically, what people don't talk about is genitalia and and the influence it has. You know, most men do not want to admit that this their size, their girth or width, whatever of their penis is not something they're thrilled about. They don't want to admit it. But if you were to talk one-on-one with most guys, they'll say, I don't like what I see in the mirror there. Most women will give you same conversations. But what's interesting here is for women, there's more possibilities of disappointment because of what our society is sexualized, right? So there's not just genitalia, there's breast. 
All right. Our and so our, our butt, I, our waist. <laughs> Mike, I'd actually disagree with you there. So here comes the gay voice in the whole crowd going to like, okay, hold on, Mike. You just went somewhere because I can tell you that for gay men, every bit of the body counts just as much as it does for women. We, we sexualize pecs, abs, butts, every bit of it. So I think it's, it's a human nature thing. And I think if most heterosexual men would actually admit it, they actually sexualize men themselves because, wow, do I have the same pecs he does? Do I have the same biceps he does? Could I be bigger there? Could I be bigger in my penis? Could I have bigger balls? Could I have a bigger... So I think it's, it's everywhere. Women get it more because this is where society has kind of put them. Mm-hmm. But I think if the dirty little secret about men and men really stepping up to the plate about what men actually really think about when they think about other men... I think we'd be really surprised. Oh, I agree with you. And you're right. You're 100% correct. And what I was referencing was what you just said, what society says versus the reality. No, there's no doubt. Look, if I'm looking in the mirror and questioning why my abs don't look a certain way compared to what I see other men's abs look, well, there it is, right? It's right there. Now, if if I've ever seen pornography and I do the same with my penis, right, we're back in the same category. How do we learn to look that in the mirror and be grateful? Let's go back to that gratitude. How do we have that for genitalia? How do we have well, that? I actually, I actually have my clients because shame in the LGBTQ community is huge. And one of the first steps we go into when I'm working with a client who's beginning the exploration or actually in the journey of coming out is I actually have them do an exercise where they stand in front of a three-way mirror or a mirror naked and they look at everything about themselves that they cannot stand and they look at that and go, I hate my penis. That's what they've been saying and say, I love my penis. I love that wart. I love that wrinkle. I love that. And I have them do that for an entire week once a day. Because it's part of starting to break the shame down because in our world, shame got immediately associated with sex and sexuality. Yep. And I think a big thing that happens, in fact, you know, if I were to have said to you guys on this podcast, so let's put sex in the world of being gay or lesbian. I know you wouldn't do it intentionally, but every one of us, even myself, so I'm sitting here raising my hand even though nobody can see it. As soon as the word gay or lesbian gets said, there's a knee-jerk mental reaction, even if you have learned not to do it, to suddenly we go to a sexual place. And then we quickly go, wait, that's not where we go. I think a huge percentage of the population goes to the sexual thing because that's what we've been told to look at when you hear the word gay or lesbian. Well, I would even take it beyond gay or lesbian. Yep, exactly. It's human. It's when I everywhere. first saw the title to this to this topic, it reminded me of an experience that I had decades ago where I was invited to go to a nudist colony. And I was so curious, <laughs> but I was so mortally afraid because I really like women. And I was afraid <laughs> that as soon as I saw a whole bunch of beautiful naked women, I was going to walk around with an erection and I couldn't bear the humiliation and the shame but somehow I made it, and the major aha was there was no erection. 
the only thing that I knew for absolute certain is what everybody looked like stark naked, but I knew nothing else. What, where you were born, where you grew up, your education, your, your life's work, how much money you had. I had no information if I didn't go over and start a conversation. And that to me was an aha that I've kept my entire life. We tend to judge people by the way they're clothed. But as soon as you take off the clothes, you got nothing. Now you have to go deeper to find out, well, who are you? Yep. Well, I was going to go there earlier in the podcast that one of the things that I think is powerful is, you know, when you realize it doesn't matter where you are in the world, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. The bottom line is we're all naked. Yep. I don't care how much crap we have on us. At the end of the day, we're all still standing there in front of each other naked. We just have things we're hiding it behind. But Lisa's going to stand there and she's still going to have boobs. She's still going to have ass. She's still going to have a vagina. Mike's going to stand there and have a penis. He's going to have pet, whatever it is. And even some of that's kind of assumptive because now we have all this new understanding and things coming to the forefront about being transgender. But at the end of the day, we're just human beings with bodies. The, the thing is, I agree with you 100%. And the thing that's interesting there is the fear, though, of the world seeing it, that nudity. That's where it lies in. Like you talk about people's nightmares. How many people at one time or another have had a nightmare related to being nude in public? It, yes. It's the idea of the public seeing it. Uh, I love what you were sharing earlier about I was invited to a nudist colony and I thought, what would happen if, right? And a lot of us have certainly had those thoughts, right? What would happen? And then the other half of that fear is, what if somebody like took a picture of me and it made the whole world saw it? Like, what are the odds the whole world's going to want to see that picture anyways or whatever? Kid? But you have this fear of what if the world saw me nude? And depending on your job, you even have that fear higher, depending on what you do for a living. How, how does everybody think that plays in? How does that impact us if, we, if, we, if we're listening to that? One of my favorite t-shirts that I ever saw, one of my clients came to my office and he had this t-shirt on. It said, I'm naked under here. And I just, I loved that because we all are, you know, we're human beings. We use shields and covers to to protect ourselves from all those things that we fear, Mike, that you were just talking about, you know, that people will judge us. Well, really, at the end of the day, people are not judging us as much as we think they are. They're busy worrying that we're going to judge them. And if we're all just a little more human about this and a little more compassionate and mindful, I think we can get past some of those sexualized stereotypes that have, have got us all tied in knots and just accept each other as human beings. That's what I experienced while at the, the nudist colony is that as soon as the clothes came off, the mindfulness factor went up and people started acting more like real human beings. So who are you? What are you into? What do you do? What do you, you know? And it was like, this is so not what I expected. Well, and I think it goes directly to that concept of what's, you know, with the fears we have, what's behind them. If you really got through the fear, there's nothing there. It's the fear that's way more powerful than the reality of what's behind the fear. And yes. a, a celebrity recently proved this because I don't remember who it was, but a there was it was found out pictures were taken or they took pictures and somebody was about to leak against their will. So in my world, this is very non-consensual. Uh, and our unfortunately, our world goes and looks at those pictures when they get on the internet. But this person said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to release the pictures. 
because then I get this over with. They literally, their viewpoint was, if I release the pictures, this is done in a month. If they have them and I never know when they're going to release them, I'm living in fear of the, of the judgment for the rest of my life. I'm getting this over with. Uh, now, I'm not saying that's the right path for everybody, but I thought, wow, that's a powerful place to come from of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you so you can just move on. <laughs> like, and I'm going to get over this fear. But the fear thing is so strong, Mike. I've gotten away with this in many, many different audiences, but my favorite place to do this is on college and university campuses because I will be up talking and sharing my story of coming out and being a late bloomer and, and talking all the stuff about having the crush on the pastor and all these different things that come up in my talk. And then one of the things I actually will do is I'm talking is I, I am scanning the audience for a guy that I find truly attractive. And I use it as a teaching moment by saying, the truth is, is when we accept each other for who we are, and when we're able to say something really beautiful to another person, in fact, you right there on the front row or wherever he is, can you stand up for a minute? I find you to be a very beautiful man. You're attractive, you're handsome. I find you sexy, and I just wanted to let you know that. But that has nothing to do with what I want to do behind a closed door with you. I'm just acknowledging this in you. And it's such a powerful moment because then I turn and I do the same thing to a, a woman. And then I start to do this with other people. And by the time they're done, they're realizing this is about having human connection and putting away the facades. And that's actually one of the words I use. It's like, if you take the facade of me being gay and you take the facade of you being heterosexual and you take the facade of you being Asian and you take the facade of you being black and you take the facade of you being chubby and you being really ripped, if we take that all away, at the end of the day, we all come out to just be human. I love that, Rick. And actually, it's one of, one of my pet peeves being a woman is, you know, you notice, I notice if a guy, for example, is, is looking at me from the corner of his eye or whatever, I would much rather have that person come up to me and say, I find you attractive. Just wanted to let you know, yeah. you know, you have pretty eyes, you have whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was at an event a couple weeks ago and you know what? I owned it. I wore a sexy dress. I was celebrating. I was owning it. And I had a gentleman come up and say that to me. And I was like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And we went on to have, you know, a great conversation. So thank you for saying that. I wish that we would get more in a practice of doing that, regardless of whether you have a penis or a vagina or whatever. I couldn't agree more. And I think what both of you just said are that more mature, sophisticated version that, that I keep striving for or encouraging other people to strive for. But you take what you each just described into the workplace and the sexual harassment suits are going to be flying all over the place. To walk up to a woman and say, I find you very attractive, bam, you're toast. Well, and so this goes to setting. And it does play a part. There's no, we said at the very beginning, what setting are we picturing here when we're going to have this discussion? What's the setup of the discussion? Because you're right. How you have that conversation in the workplace can have a huge impact on workplace culture and breaking rules, uh, literally laws potentially uh, relating to that because of so much. And we have to understand why that is for anybody listening. The reason those laws are there is because of the abuse of centuries of people doing the wrong thing that is now has very restricted rules to protect others from being harmed. That's why that was created. It wasn't to take away this, unfortunately. It was because of the harm that was done for so long. So what I want to do is go all the way back to that mirror scene at the beginning, 
Because we just said, hey, I want to be able to tell someone you're attractive and I want to be able to tell someone. And one thing we haven't talked about is if you're looking in the mirror and not able to see your gift, your body as this temple, this amazing place, you're, you're potentially also robbing yourself of being able to have that experience with others. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get into that even. What the, the lost value you get in, in intimacy and sharing this vulnerability with another human being or beings and what's lost there. Is there any self-talk, anyone here on here, Harris, that helps you to, for that too? Like, I deserve for this body to experience this, for my body to experience this with another human being. For Is there some kind of self-talk there? Well, I take my clients right into the space of, you have to see yourself as a beautiful human being regardless, regardless of your sexuality. If you're going to try to have other people accept you in your sexuality, you cannot do this until you have fully accepted yourself. And that goes not only from, okay, I know I'm gay or lesbian by whatever it is, but it also goes completely through to the heart, the soul, the body. Every essence of you has to be touched by your acceptance of yourself as LGBTQ before you can do this. And we do a lot of work around, I love myself exactly as I am, my heart, my soul, my body, all of that stuff, so that when they start having those conversations, that becomes their anchor. That becomes the place that they can know they can stand solid is because they've had the conversation with themselves. I love that. And here's why I love that. I Part of my mindfulness affirmations every morning, I read about eight pages of affirmations. The very first thing in there, you just made me realize, works in line, it should work in line with everything in your life. And in this case, right in line with nudity, which is, it is what it is. It isn't what it isn't. It is perfect. Nothing add it, nothing subtract it. I am complete, fulfilled, and, and it goes from there. But you take just that on the human body. It's a powerful statement. Now, to be fair to anybody listening, you might recognize or going, hey, Mike, that sounds like Landmark. That is something that I pulled from Landmark, but it applies to everything and really to nudity here. To look in the mirror and go, it is what it is. Because there's no way you, that's not true. No matter what you're seeing in that mirror, it is what it is. Can't deny right. that. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it is what it is. Nothing at it. Nothing's attracted. Right now, in this moment, is perfect right now. Right now, I may want to improve things, but right now, it is what it is. And I think that's powerful look in the mirror and go, it is what it is. I'm going to own this since it is what it is. Wouldn't Except it be interesting huge. if we took the visual out of the equation? If I was blind and I was interested in someone, the way they look means absolutely nothing to me. It, it never will. It couldn't. So I would have to rely on other senses to find out if I really enjoyed that person or not. What if they were blind, and so all the work I've done on my body means absolutely nothing to their visual cortex. I would have to communicate to them in other ways. I think this goes more to what Rick was talking about. Can can we peel back the layers and get to the person on the inside? Who is he or she? And and let's have a dialogue with them. And Sean, you were about to jump in there. So what were you going to add there? There's two keys that that really hone in on this. One is that acceptance is absolutely paramount and and the most important foundation you have to have. You have to accept it because after you accept it, that, then you now have a direction. You know, if I don't like something, I have to figure out what it is that that I'm fighting against. You know what I mean? Is it because I don't like how I look or is it because everybody told me I was ugly all my life? Like I have a habit of telling all my kids, I'm like, you know, you guys are beautiful. You guys are awesome. When you instill it in your kids that nudity is dirty, don't do that. They're going to now take that because my mom said that I believe it. So mm-hmm. my job as a parent is to not ever put my beliefs on them, but to 
to just show them that you are a beautiful person because it is fact, not an opinion. I try not to put my opinion so much on them as, as much as I am accept who you are first before you can make change. And the second thing, and I think and I, I just, in my opinion, again, is I feel it most key, you know, that goes along with acceptance is that everything that we're talking about, everything is a learned behavior. Everything that we're doing right now is a learned behavior, putting people in front of a mirror, blindfolding them. Every tactic that we talk about mindfulness, every, every behavioral trait is a learned behavior and anybody can do it. I think that's powerful. That to wrap, that is a great place for us to wrap this episode. Cause if you're listening right now, the question you ask yourself is what behavior do I want to learn to have in my life? Do I want to learn behaviors that take me to a place of positivity, appreciation and gratitude for my body, for all that is, you know, that we're discussing here with nudity, or am I going to choose learn behaviors that take me to a place of negativity? Why would I want to make that choice? Why would I want the choice of negativity? Why not positivity and that gratitude? So, and I, we can do, and I think we're going to, we're going to do more episodes down the road. Cause this was, this ended up being the conversation for the mirror and we didn't even get to the other sides that we could go down the road, but we'd be going here for three hours. So I'll look to doing, having that conversation later. I think we could have a really in-depth one about nudity together as in what does it look like with your partner? How does that influence all of this or what it would look like in public, right? So Barry, you gave that example. What does that look like? What can that, what can that bring somebody? What kind of freedom could that bring powerful stuff i want to thank each of you for joining us here today now anyone listening going where do i find these brilliant people you've been listening to barry moniak sean douglas paul jenkins rick clemens and lisa baker king you can find all of them at everydaymindfulnessshow.com everydaymindfulnessshow.com thank you all for joining me today and for everyone listening right now until next time may you enjoy everyday mindfulness in your life Three quick reminders. One, please subscribe to the Everyday Mindfulness Show on iTunes. Already subscribed? Then encourage others to join us by inviting them to subscribe to the show. Two, while on iTunes, download all the latest episodes. Three, reviews help more people find out about the show. Would you please go into iTunes and write a review? Doing so helps spread the mission of the show. Thanks. We appreciate you being a part of our vibrant, oftentimes silly, and always vulnerable community. If you have an idea, a thought, want to sponsor the show, or just want to say hi, send us an email at listen at everydaymindfulnessshow.com and check us out at everydaymindfulnessshow.com. Have a joyful, mindful week.